0: for our sermon then tonight. Let us return to Numbers chapter 25, the chapter that we read earlier. I'm going to look at the whole chapter. I'm not going to isolate one text. So we're going to look at the whole chapter in context. And the title I would like to give to the sermon tonight is From Praying to Slain. From Praying to Slain. This is an uh, awesome, and a dreadful, and a terrible chapter. And I say that in the sense of what happened to God's people. Here we see. The righteous, justice, and the wrath of God being poured out upon his covenant people. And it truly is uh, a terrible chapter for us. It's striking in the sense that the last three chapters that we looked at, which we might not be familiar with, but basically We had Israel there in the clouds, if you like. We had Israel being described as truly the blessed of the Lord. Let me read one or two verses from these previous chapters. And let me remind you that Balaam was a false prophet. And he was hired in order that he might be able to curse the people of God. And on three occasions he tried to curse them, but God would not let him. It was impossible for him. And every time he tried to curse the people of God, he actually blessed them. And those who were paying his wages, Balak from the king of Moab, was furious with him because he bought him and took him a great distance. In order that he might curse God's people, but he couldn't. And some of the things that Balaam said were remarkable. Chapter 23, verses 9 and 10. For from the top of the rocks I see him, that's Israel, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone. It goes on, and shall not be reckoned among the nations. He saw them as a separate people. He saw them as a blessed people. He saw them separate from all the riffraff around about because they were God's people. He goes on, who can count the dust of Jacob and the number of the fourth part of Israel? And he goes on to say, let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. He wanted to be like the people of God, this false prophet. And when he had his fun in this world, he wanted to die a righteous individual. He wanted to have the death that the, the Israelites would, had, would have. They would have the blessing of the Lord in their death. And here they were. Thousands of them were killed by the Lord himself. He goes on. Behold, I have received commandment to bless... And he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Numbers 23 verse 20 goes on. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. He realized that he was a man who had power to a certain extent, but he had no power over the people of God. He could not curse them in any single way. And he recognized that they were a unique uh, group of people and they would be blessed despite all that he would seek to do. Here, we have a different picture altogether. Here, for instance, we believe this is the, the first time that Israel is recorded in the Scriptures as worshiping baal it reminds us of what happened 40 years ago when they came out of egypt and when they were at mount sinai when moses was up on mount sinai receiving the the law of god where god wrote the 10 commandments with his finger on two tables of stone and there moses was up there with god receiving the law and there was all mayhem going on below. The people were involved in idolatry, drinking, eating, feasting, and all kinds of sexual immorality was going on there. Exactly the same thing was happening here in chapter 25. It does seem as if they hadn't learned anything at all in their 40 years' existence in the wilderness. Well, here we have then, first of all, we have the fall. And what does it teach us? Because it should teach us something. We always come to the Word of God believing it's living and active. And this Word of God may be 3,000 years old to us, but nevertheless, it speaks to us today. It speaks a message because it is the Word of God. And there are certain things that we can learn from this incident? First of all, in the fall, notice, surely there is a great contrast between Israel's position and her actual condition. In the last three chapters, she was up in the heavenlies, we might say. The blessing of the Lord was upon them. God was going to bless them, and none could harm them or curse them. They were safe, they were secure. They were God's people, and he was owning them as his people. But here we find their their true condition. And it is a lesson for the Christian. It is a lesson for the 21st century Christian. We are, in some sense, seated with Christ in the heavenly realms yet we live in this world, and regrettably, we will fall just like the Israelites. It may not be the same sin, but we will sin. Now, that is not an excuse. That's not for us to say, well, this is what happens. No. We are to realize that our position is in the heavenlies with Christ, and we are without distorting anything. We are in some sense the favorites of heaven, and that should stir us up to live as the favorites of heaven, and not to fall, not to fall into sin as they did easily here. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, what does it say to us? Talking about the Christians, talking about the Christians in Ephesus who were 1st century Christians who were Gentiles, who didn't have the, the Old Testament experience, who were Gentiles, who were called out of a, an immoral world to become Christians. And Paul reminds them, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's our position. That's the position of every single Christian, everyone who is truly joined to Christ by faith, who has that union with him. It's our position. It's a secure position. But very often, our actual condition is far different. We must remind ourselves The professing Christian church must remind ourselves that we are a work in progress. Sanctification is going on in our lives. God is working. Our position is in the heavenlies, but our actual condition is in the earth. And there, sadly, we will fall. We will fail. We will flounder. Sin will overtake us. Not an excuse, but it is is an encouragement to us to realize that our position is fixed and secure, and it's to stir us up, always to look up and not to look down. There's another thing we can notice. Moab was related to Israel through Abraham's nephew, Lot. So there was a a family connection between the Israelites and the Moabites. And the Midianites, what were they? They were great friends and allies of the Moabites. What am I driving at? Well, what I'm driving at is there would have been many people in Israel at this time, or on the shores of the promised land, if you like, at this time, and they would be saying to themselves, well, here's the Moabites. They're inviting us to come to, uh, to their, our feasts. They're our near neighbors. They are our relatives. And the Moabites and the Midianites, what are they? They are friends of the Moabites. Surely it's only right that we should have some kind of relationship with them. After all, there is a a family connection, and it's all friendly. We're all here together. They're they're inviting us. Surely it's only but right that we go and see and test this out. Well, we know what happened. They fell into gross idolatry and immorality, and they paid a heavy price. You know, if Moab had come to them with an army, they would have fought the people, and they would have won. But they fell because the Moabites smiled upon them. And this is what the world does to the Christian, It's very often, it's not open hostility and persecution that causes the Christian to sin and to fall in line with the world. Very often, it's a smile of the world. It's the unconverted member of the family saying to us, for instance, on the Lord's Day, you go to church on the Lord's Day. Well, go in the morning... And then we can go out for a meal in the afternoon. You've been to church. Surely it doesn't matter. Go out for a barbecue. Go out for a run or whatever on the Lord's day. Or maybe it's a friend who says to you, You go to church. You're a Christian. But surely you can come out for a, a drink. Surely there's no problem in going out with a drink. Or Maybe someone else says, you're a Christian. Well, that's fine. Here, why don't you take some of this uh, drug I've got here? It'll do you no harm. Very often, friends, we have to be careful. It's those who are close to us that can drag us down. It's not those who are openly hostile to us. It can be very much those who are, in some sense, close to us. Even family ties and friendly relationships. This is what happened. We are told here in verse 2 and they called the people, and they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, that they there were women. We are told this in verse 1. And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. They were won over by the opposite sex. They called the people. The females from Moab called the people and to the sacrifices of their gods. The last three chapters we looked at, we found how Balaam was thwarted. He couldn't call down curses upon God's people. What did he do? Well, he told the Moabites, I can't do this, but there's another way. You've asked me to curse them, but God won't let me. If you get the people themselves to turn against God, then God will curse them. God will chastise them. God will punish them. And how are you going to do that? Send in the women. Send in the young women. Entice the men. That's what he did. That was his counsel. As we said, if they sent in an army, the Israelites would have fought them, but they succumbed to this temptation. Also, really under the same heading, we would notice that what they did really wouldn't have bothered the Moabites or the Midianites. They were used to that kind of behavior. It was common with their religious practices to do these things. And you will find idolatry and sexual immorality go together. And where you have idolatry, sexual immorality will follow very shortly afterwards. You cannot avoid it. And therefore, what the Israelites did would cause no surprise or no problems to the Moabites or the Midianites. And this is another thing the world can do to the Christian, to lure him or her. They will say to you, well, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter if you, if you miss the Lord's Day evening service. It doesn't really matter if you do something else rather than gather with God's people. God's not really going to mind. It's not really a problem. It's, it's not a big deal at all. We've got to be careful. Again, we go back to Ephesians. Because Ephesians chapter 1 to 3 outlines the church and the glories of the church, and what a glory it is to belong to the church. But after that, in, verse, in chapters 4, 5, and 6, he outlines the res- duties and responsibilities of the Christians, those who are in Christ. And he says, for instance, in chapter 4, verse 17 of Ephesians, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. The Christian is to walk according to the word of God. And yes, people might say we're legalists, but we're not. If we seek to walk according to God's word, what we are simply saying is we love God and we want to honor him and his word. And that's what the Apostle Paul is telling the Ephesians, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. And this is relevant to the Christian today. We're to be distinct. We're to be unique. We're to be like a city that's set upon a hill. There's got to be something different about the Christian. And that difference is to be seen in our conversation, in our desires, and in our lifestyle. Here, the people of God failed. They acted and behaved just like the Moabites and just like the Midianites. And these people wouldn't bat an eyelid at what they had done. Therefore, firstly, then, we have the fall. Notice, secondly, we have the failure. And we find this in verses 4 to 5. Now, as you might know, there's always different opinions about certain things. And these two verses are not absolutely crystal clear for us, and we, some people take a different interpretation. But we find here in verse four, the Lord said unto Moses, take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. And the really the first question we want to ask ourselves, did actually Moses do this? Did he do it? First verse 5 tells us, And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one his men that were joined unto Baal poor. Not exactly what he was asked to do. He was asked there, hang the heads of the people. The leaders were to be hung. What does he say? Moses said to the judges of Israel, slay ye everyone, his men that were joined unto Baal poor. Some maintain that Moses did obey, did do as the Lord wanted him. Others maintain no. And those who believe that Moses did not fully obey, we'll look to verse 6 as evidence. Because here we have one of the leaders taking a woman into his tent. Now, if the commandment of the Lord had been obeyed, this man should have been hung. Others maintain, well, he did do it. It's difficult for us to be absolutely precise about this matter. But if we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, there the Apostle Paul relates this incident. And there, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 8, we find, we read, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. The reading that we read from chapter 25 tells us in verse 9 that those that died in the plague were twenty and four thousand. So here in Numbers 25 we're told twenty and four thousand died. Paul in 1 Corinthians, is saying that 23,000 died. Is there a discrepancy? Well, those who believe that Moses did actually obey the commandment will tell us that 23,000 fell by the plague and a further thousand were hanged by Moses. I'll have to leave you make up your minds yourselves on the matter. But, there was a failure, or we might guard against a failure. The failure that maybe didn't happen here is, there was no discipline. No discipline. The discipline wasn't carried out as it should have been carried out. And this would remind us that, Discipline is very important. When God says something, it must be done according to the way that he has described. It must be done. We know that today discipline is not a a popular subject. It's frowned upon. It's frowned upon in the Christian church. But nevertheless, the leaders must be ones who are prepared to ultimately take discipline and undertake what is required according to the word of God. The third thing we would notice is faithful. The faithful. And we have this in verses 7 to verse 13, and it concerns Phinehas, who was the grandson of the first high priest, Aaron. We find here when Phineas saw what happened, when he saw this leader of Israel going into his tent with this woman, that was enough for Phineas. He was at a prayer meeting, we believe, in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. We're inclined to believe there was a prayer meeting. They were weeping over what was happening over the sin, and they saw this. And Phineas was there, and immediately he reckoned he needed to do something. He was zealous for the Lord, and he wasn't zealous in order that he might be rewarded. He knew nothing about the reward. He was rewarded, but he knew nothing about it beforehand. Instead, he was filled with zeal for the Lord's cause, and he did something about it. Immediately, he went with his javelin, And it would seem as the couple were involved in their sexual activity, he put the javelin through them both. Now, this is a very grim thing. We're not going to deny it, friends. But what he did was commendable. What he did was commendable because the Lord commended him. And what he did was commendable because he stopped the plague. We don't know much about the plague. The Bible doesn't say much about it, but during this time, a plague came upon the congregation. And had Phinehas not done what he did, the likelihood is the whole of the people of God would be eradicated. And he made atonement for them by bringing about the death of that couple because of the zeal that he had for the Lord his God. It's very interesting to note here that he was of the second generation. Moses and some of the others who would have been there were of the first generation. But Moses, Phineas was full of zeal, and he wanted to honor the Lord his God, and he was commended for it, for his faithfulness. This is something, friends, that the Lord always looks for among his people. Zeal for his cause. The Lord Jesus Christ was full of zeal for the Lord. Zeal for Thy house has consumed him, we notice in in the Gospels. And all he did was for the glory of his Father. And here we have Phinehas, full of zeal for the Lord's cause. And he was not afraid to execute judgment upon two leaders. The man here, what is his name? Zimri, he was a leader of the Simeonites. And the lady, she was a leader also. But he was not afraid He was more concerned with the fear of God than the fear of man. And as a result, the Lord honored him and the Lord rewarded him with an everlasting priesthood because of his zeal. This reminds us surely of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here was one who brought an end of God's judgment. 23,000, 24,000 were brought to death that day, but when that spear went in and killed these two, death ended. The plague was over. He had made an atonement. And this reminds us about the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who has taken the punishment that was rightly due unto his people. He has stood in our room and in our place. He has brought about by his life and death and resurrection a glorious atonement whereby our sins are all forgiven. And this is what is absolutely unique about Christianity. In Christianity, there is provision made for our sins to be forgiven. And for the judgment of God to stop and to rest. And it stopped and it rest upon the Son of God. When he cried out on Calvary's tree, it is finished. It is finished. What was finished? The Lord Jesus Christ had done everything that was required in order to meet the just demands of God's holy law. He has done it. He has provided a wonderful atonement, and our sins are forgiven if we're in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, fourthly, we might notice, and finally, we would notice the future. We have this in verse 17 to the end. The Lord spake unto Moses, verse 16, vex the Midianites and smite them. If we go back to what we said earlier on in our first point, sometimes the, the people of God might have said to themselves, well, we'll, we'll go We'll go with the Moabites, we'll go with uh, the Midianites, we'll have some fellowship with them, we'll worship with them, we'll see how it'll be, and maybe then we'll be friendly with them, and maybe it'll be uh, good for us, it'll not be so difficult then for us to go into the promised land, here we'll have a couple of allies, and therefore it'll make things a bit easier for us. In actual fact, it didn't make anything any easier at all. They were not going to be friendly with the Midianites. Instead, they were going to smite them. Instead, they were going to wipe them out. And this would remind us about the deceitfulness of sin. And we need to be reminded about this because the devil will tempt us. He will try to portray to us that sin is a pleasant thing and that there are rewards with sin. Well, yes, there are rewards with sin. And what is the reward? The wages of sin is death. That's what it is. And this is what the Israelites found out here. They were then going to have to smite, eradicate the Midianites. There was going to be no friendly time with them. They were not going to be their allies. And this does remind us about a very important doctrine and truth that is much despised today, even in the Christian church. It is the punishment of God. The wrath of God. Even Christians don't like to be reminded about it. And certainly the world doesn't like to be reminded about it. And Satan will do all that he can to erase it from our minds and from our attention. That's what he did right at the very beginning. The Lord said to our first parents, the moment they would break his law, they would die. What does the devil say? Thou shalt not die. No, God will not punish you. God wants to hold you back. He wants to fetter you. He doesn't want you to reach your, your full potential. He wants to keep you down. They listened to the evil one. What happened? Well, they died instantly. They died spiritually and then they died physically. We need to be reminded about the seriousness of sin and the serious consequences of sin. All of us, believer or unbeliever, it doesn't matter what the world says, it's what God says that matters. And God has demonstrated surely in this chapter here how seriously he looks upon when we fall into sin, especially the sin of idolatry, which always leads to immorality. I wonder if I asked persons even here, what's the most important commandment? Some of you might say, certainly some out in the world would say, Oh well, thou shalt not kill. What is that? Commandment number six, you might say. Surely that's the most important commandment. Thou shalt not kill. Well, if we understand uh, the Ten Commandments correctly, we would have to realize that the, the first commandment is the most important commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Why? Because all other commandments hung upon that commandment. And these persons here fell into idolatry and it led them to immorality. And many of them lost their lives because it because of it and the future well God's judgment was going to come upon the Midianites and the truth is friends if we're not in Christ on that great day the judgment of God will fall upon us and there will be no hope no hope whatsoever no gospel Sin will ultimately bring death. Sin, if it's not atoned for, sin, if it's not forgiven, will ultimately bring death, eternal death. Well, there we have chapter 25 from praying to sin. We have the fall, the failure, the faithful and the future. Amen. And may the Lord bless his word to us. Let us pray together.